1: Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Borgos Energy Proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Croke Park Hashtag Hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent.ies GA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going, Will? I'm doing very well, thank you. Another dramatic football final or football semi final at weekend, rather. Uh, extra time thriller once again. And with a very novel final pairing. I know Mayo have been in there a good few times over the last few years, but they've never played Throwing in an All ireland final. So it's, it's sure to be an interesting matchup.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well Tyrone only have three in their history and Mayo all have a won one in seventy years. So it doesn't get much more novel than that. Uh I think it's probably from a public point of view, it's probably a final kind of the people were crying out for in many ways. Like there's so many there's so many different ways of looking at this. It's not like I think it was not Ireland quarter final maybe. Five years ago, maybe, was one of the last times they met in Championship. Mm. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting final. And it's very fresh. You know, everyone was talking about, you know, we were looking at a Dublin team going for seven in a row this year. And they weren't even favourites to win the All-Ireland because Kerry were favourites based on what we'd seen throughout the league. And all of a sudden, neither of the two of them are in the final. So, it's definitely, uh, they're definitely a very, very novel pair.
1: Yeah, obviously with Dublin winning six in a row, it's obviously been very predictable in, in one sense. But even even though Dublin carry matchups do get like a lot of attention and they are great. Yeah, there is something intriguing and interesting about Mayo and Tyrone. Yeah, obviously, we're going to get a new All-Ireland winner who hasn't won it for a number of years. Mayo, as you mentioned, a lot longer. But yeah, the football championship has kind of been crying out for a kind of a fresh pairing in a final, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's been crying out for two big semifinals like we like we got. We'd had very we'd had very uh, little really, really competitive, exciting action up on the list. And all of a sudden we didn't just get 2 70, you know, seventy minute games. We got two extra time games that were like in it right till the last, you know, till the last play as it was yesterday anyway. And uh, yeah, I think I think this is exactly what we needed, just to re energise the whole football championship.
1: Yeah, well it was a busy weekend in the Camogie Championship as well and we're going to talk to Ursula Jacob a little later on about those semi-finals, Cork and Galway coming out on top but first we have to reflect on that absolute thrilling game on Saturday night in Croke Park. We're going to be joined in a couple of minutes by Dick Clerken but first, Mayo legend Cora Staunton is joining us in the Throne Podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy for the first time. Cora, how are you?
3: Not too bad now, Will, good. Um, looking forward to two weeks' time, mayo Tyrone, As you said, a very novel pairing. Yeah. Um, you know, not what a lot of people would have expected at the start of the year. I suppose Dublin and Kerry um, were the two favourites to make the final. So, yeah, looking forward to the build-up now for the less than two weeks. But, yeah, uh, smashing game again, another great semi-final at the weekend. So, as I said, it's going to be a, a super final.
1: Yeah, and from a mayor perspective, you know, we'll get to the maybe match in a bit more detail in a minute. But, you know, are you happy with this matchup? Would you Would you prefer Kerry or are you happy that strong uh, prevailed ultimately?
3: Yeah, it's a question I suppose a lot of Mayo people are asking um, after Saturday evening's game. It's very hard to know, um, you know, the way the intensity and the hunger and the ferocity that, you know, Jerome brought to the game. To me, they're, they're, they were deserving winners um, in, in normal time. Um, and Kerry were probably lucky to get it to extra time. I, you know, I thought Jerome were the better team right throughout. Um, so, yeah, for, from a Mayo point of view, um you know, I, I don't think they would have thought they were expecting Kerry to to, to beat um, Tyrone. I think they were just going in to to see who their opponents would be. But you know, I just thought Tyrone's energy levels, their their work rate, their hunger, um, their organisation. You know, it, it was top drawer. I just think Kerry looked lost at times, and and you know, probably bear their two stars in, in Clifford and O'Shea in the forward line, and especially uh, David Clifford. Um, I think Kerry would, would would have would have struggled a lot more. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's difficult from a psychological point of view for me. It's probably better that it's Tyrone rather than Kerry because obviously we've had um, all Ireland final baggage with Kerry in years past. You know, and I know a lot of the time th- these things don't affect players of nowadays. But you know, from a supporter's point of view, I think it's it's good to see that it's it's Tyrone and. Um, you know, they're excited and, and two counties that, you know, are are, are mad about their GEA. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a great All-Ireland final. The build up, um, you know, the, obviously the tickets for the next uh, 10 days, are, you know, that's going to be the talk. Everyone trying to get to be one of the 40,000 people there. But I think it's going to be a great final. I think it's going to be a huge tactical battle. You know, Horn is very shrewd the way he, he operates, and 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 Doran Lo- and Logan are exactly the same. The way they set Tyrone up yesterday, um, you know, they, their their organisation was immense, and I think it's going to be a very difficult final for Mayo.
1: Yeah, Mike, what's the bigger story for you today? You know, with a couple of days removed from the game, is it Tyrone causing the upset after you know the the, the kind of turmoil of the last couple of weeks, or is it Kerry as all Ireland favourites? A lot of people had already written them into a final. Uh, you know, being upset And, you know, for the third year in a row In a game where they probably could have come out in the right side of the result Ultimately losing What's the bigger one for you
2: there? No, Tyrone is the story for me Just because of everything that was going on In the background leading, leading up to the game I'm actually living in in and Mead here And there must have been staying in Dunboyan Castle Because there was red shirts all around all around here on friday evening, and uh it 's mad to think like they 'd been probably hibernating for weeks before that, and then they were back out and about again and just the energy that they were able to bring to the table the other day like this was a classic Tyrone performance this was I know the the, the lads brought it up on the Sunday game last night like there were so many um there were so many instances that you could just you know, basically have a, a split screen between two thousand and three and two thousand and twenty one just the amount of bodies that were getting in everywhere. Um, and the amount of willing runners uh, both in attack and in defence, uh, lads that were just you know going the extra mile to get back in and be the third man in around a Kerry player. Um, you just felt there was openings that Kerry had at times, and you know a hand pass went into just say Shawnee O'Shea or David Clifford, and all of a sudden there was just guys swarmed around them. The you know the want that they had just to you know make put Kerry under pressure, uh, put them off balance, do anything they could, even with Tommy Walsh's shot at the end. Uh, there was no way Ronald McNamee wasn't going to get his body in there and at least force him to be off balance shooting. Um so I have to say I do think Tyrone is a story. I think Tyrone were mass massive odds going into that uh into that game. Um I'm not sure why exactly. Um like if you look at the league game, yeah, they shipped six goals and you know that's the most they've ever shipped or whatever, but they had a you know a massive point to prove and were able to turn things around. And that that's to to me, to me, that's the story. And even just uh while they're playing similar to how they did under Hart, it's probably just the the abandon maybe up front that they're willing to go with an extra pass to try and get in for a goal. That they have someone like Conor McKenna who just will not take the conservative option ever. He'll always even at the end to, to win that forty five, even though Morgan put it wide, like in previous years they would have just looped back around and tried to hold on to the ball. But he had the I suppose it's kind of a bit of a freestyle kind of nature to him that he wants to go in and wants to try and force things to happen and uh fairness, Tyrone made things happen all over the pitch on Saturday. And while it was a different type of semi-final maybe to the the double Mayo one, and maybe the quality maybe at times wasn't as good. It was just pure drama till the very end. And even Tyrone didn't score in the second half of extra time. They were kind of just hanging on. And it took Kerry until the last 10 minutes of extra time for them to probably figure out how to beat Tyrone. And it was too late at that stage. But just uh, a seriously courageous performance from, from Tyrone.
1: Well, Cora, as Michael went through some of the things Tyrone did well uh, against Kerry. From a Kerry's perspective, do you think they were surprised with how strong the performance was given all the COVID questions? You know, there was a lot of talk that, you know, that a lot of players were still feeling very fatigued. It's hard to know if that was a bit of gamesmanship because they didn't look very fatigued, certainly, you know, considering it went to extra time and they still finished pretty strongly. Like, do you think Kerry were a bit shell shocked with, with the intensity Tyrone brought given that build up?
3: Yeah, I definitely think they were shell shocked. I suppose from like a psychological point of view, um, Tyrone had all the edge. Um, you know, they only them um, know how bad their cover was and what effects had on them. You know, obviously Kerry and and, and the rest of of the supporters and people that watch GEA were you know were wondering what way would Tyrone come out with? We missing players. You know, what, um, what condition their players in? So yeah, obviously from a Kerry point of view, a five week layoff. Um, and in that five weeks, not fully sure if you're having an opponent. At one stage, when Tyrone pulled out, uh, oh, we have an opponent, and when the match is going to be played. So I'm sure they're training from that point of view. Um, you know, wasn't as consistent as they'd like it. Whether they, um, you know they'd um, give themselves some time off um, in, in that period because of, of the uncertainty of what would happen with Tyrone. But I think from a Kerry po- point, point of view, yeah, I think they were shell shocked. But I, I just don't think it was. Uh, a case in point to do with just COVID. I think it's what they've been through this year um, in the Munster Championship with Cork, you know, uh, a dour enough Munster final bar, the first 20 minutes were Cork, you know, put it up to Kerry um, against Clare and, and even throughout the National League, their, their last National League game, obviously against Sharon, um, you know, it's all talk about the six goals, but they haven't had really too many intense battles um, right throughout the National League and obviously the National League condensed this year um, I think Dublin was the only one, um, and that was a draw. Um, so the, the, they just haven't had too many intense ferocious of battles like that. And, you know, championship, that's where it's obviously brought. So that's the first time they have it's hit them. Um, and I just don't think they're ready for, for it. Um, you know, you you'd think they'd know the, the style of Tyrone play. Um, you know, uh, as Mike said earlier, it's changed a little bit from Mickey Hart's time, but it hasn't changed a huge amount. You know, they're probably... Um, attacking a little bit more and playing a little bit more freedom up um, up top, but they still bring a lot of bodies behind the ball and they're trying to counter-attack. So it was nothing new that they shouldn't be ready for, but I just don't think they're ready for the intensity and the frosty and the hunger and the work rate that Jerome brought. And yeah, I do think, I think a lot of their players, um, as we said, Bear probably Sean O'Shea, David Clifford, I think Thomas Sullivan had quite a good game, Gavin White. I think outside of them, probably four players, you know, um, the rest of the carry players really froze on the day and and, and didn't really um, perform to, to the levels they can. So yeah, you have to give huge credit to Dora and and, Ferg and Logan for that because the, the Kerry organisation, everyone knew what they were doing. They're, they're tackling, their um their work rate. It wasn't that you know one man would be tackling, the second man would come in, and the third man would come in, and they just dispossessed time and time again the amount of turnovers Kerry had, um as they drove right through the middle. They weren't getting through that um you know. Uh, or that Tyrone defence and Tyrone really pressed up on them around the middle third and they just struggled with it and, they, and they, they had no answers and as Mike said earlier I think it was probably second half of extra time that they figured out and I think that was a stage when you know Tyrone are probably out in their feet figure out and this is the way that they should take on Tyrone and it was a little bit too late but I think credit goes to Tyrone I think you know Peter Keane and their, their team went in a bit naive if they didn't know that the way that Tyrone were going to bring in the intensity they brought
1: Well we're like glad to be joined on the line now by Dick Clerk, and Dick how are you? Good morning, folks. How are you doing all? Yeah, no, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, maybe, you know, a couple of days removed now from the game. Like, What are your overall thoughts? I know on today's Irish Independent, you were kind of talking about the why of how Tyrone ended up mm. uh, upsetting Kerry. You know, I know you discussed a bit about, about Kerry's failings as well. Like, what's your big takeaway now with a couple of days out from the game?
0: Well, looking back, I suppose if, you, if you're down in Kerry, if you're one of the players in the management, what's going on now? You're poor over what. We could have done differently. Did we contribute to our own downfall in terms of decisions we made, personnel setup? And I think there is a there is a case to be asked there from a Kerry point of view. You know, the I always obviously been a midfielder. I've always looking at games from, from that point of view, and I, I I still can't figure out how Kerry just adopted a short kickout policy the way they did um, from the outset especially how dominant they were on, on Tyrone's long kickouts. Because if, if there was any team I thought would have went short on Saturday, it would have been Tyrone and try to gain possession. It was actually obvious from the outset that it was a, a, a policy for Tyrone and Niall Morgan. to he, he boomed an awful lot of kickouts, which you don't see that often now from teams down in the middle. But I always understood from a midfielder point of view, if you want energy in your team, you want a bit of madness, you want a bit of franticness, there's no better place to get it to bring it to the middle third and the break and ball. because And, and, and plus, when you win ball out there, you're on the front foot straight away into attack. Yes, this focus on 100% possession from kickouts has its place, but you can go back and look at Kerry's build-ups from all those short kickouts. Slow-laboured, especially when Mayo, or not Mayo Trone, set out that they were meeting them. In the middle of the pitch. And that's, it was obvious that Tyrone were quite happy to give Kerry those short kickouts because they had a plan then to meet them far up the pitch and stop them. And it worked at three. And that Kerry didn't change it around or try and say, right, put David Moore back in the middle of the field, drop a few balls on top of him, try and get a bit of energy in the break and ball, fastball into the forwards. I just couldn't believe that they didn't try that
2: over the course of the 90 minutes. Just on that, Dick, that's basically another example of how Tyrone basically set the rules of engagement, yeah. isn't it, really?
0: Absolutely, and like when you, you could, when you can see that happening, you know, Tron had a very very clear game plan to say, and it, it, I know Tron, everyone's saying actually we, we knew we were going to win. rubbish. Tron were, were were rank outsiders for good reason, but they had a bought into a plan that was everything in terms of personnel, where those people would be, and what they were going to allow Kerry to do or not to do. And one of those things were we're going to let them take the short kick out. We know, like, look at the Tones midfielders, two young, relatively inexperienced guys going up against David Morn, arguably one of the best fielders of the game over the last 10, 10 years, and Jack Barry, who can compete aerially, but in terms of the game that they allowed them to play, they are not the two guys that you want having to play a running game or a rolling game that Toronto dictated. And it was noticeable how ineffective the two Kerry midfielders were from a forward play point of view like not a shot between them. I don't remember seeing David Moore even crossing the midfield at any given point in time where he actually, if you think of it, David Moore, fabulous kick pass off the off the ball. If he can get the the ball in prime possession, can he deliver? He done little or none of that because he was getting balls so far back. And listen, he's 34, 35 on a day like Saturday. For him to try and get up the pitch as well and deliver ball in, never going to happen. And it didn't.
1: And Cora, from a Kerry perspective now, you know, how, how do they go on from here? You know, it's three years with Peter Keane as manager and, and the majority of the management team in place. Three relatively similar defeats in terms of, you know, shot selection, decision making at the end of games, costing them dearly. Like, do you think it's time for a change in, in the management team?
3: Yeah, I do. Personally, I think I, um, it is. I suppose if you look at his record since he's come in, 2019 being their best year and the year they probably should have in Dublin, the All-Ireland obviously went to the replay at uh, 2020 against Cork in the Munster final. You know, from a Kerry point of view, that was just, you know, a really bad year um, and the way they lost to that. And looking back on on, on yesterday on, on Saturday, um, you know, their defeat to Tyrone and the way, that, the manner they lost to it, you know, the better poor uh, Cork team in the Munster final. And I, I think, yeah, I think it's time for a change. And, you know, even listening to Moss of on the, on the Sunday game, um, you know, he spoke about like having to have a lot of nice footballers and they're bringing through a lot of nice, you know, skillful f- footballers and they don't have the footballers that maybe, you know, have that little bit of aggression and dirt in them, you know, in, in previous years that they had. And I think they need to probably find more than footballers. And, yeah, I, I probably think Peter Keane has brought the the, the brought them to as far as, as he can. And, and I do think it's time for change. Yeah, they obviously have quality and, and they have underage coming through. But, you know, for Kerry not to... Um, have won in all Ireland and um, especially this year, um, you know, they're going in as favourites um, and with the, with the dubs obviously gone, you know, a lot of Kerry people had thought this was the year once Mayo had beaten Dublin and even before that. So, yeah, I think it's hugely disappointing. Um, you know, they are a relatively young team when you take out um, a couple of the, their older players, the likes of David Moran, but, um, yeah, from a, from a Kerry point of view, and from from certainly a Kerry sports point of view, they won't be happy um, with what they've what, what they've achieved over the la- over over the last three years in in, in Peter Keane's reign.
1: Yeah, because there's some interesting kind of statistics. Like you know, Kerry's record in Croke Park over the last number of years has been very very poor. I think they've only won one of their last you know ten or so games. Obviously, you had all those minor All Ireland wins. It's been seven years without a senior All Ireland, so that hasn't really translated. Obviously, Clifford and O'Shea and Tom O'Sullivan are some of the guys who have kicked on, but. You know, there's, there's, what, 45, 50, 60 players who won minor all islands, and that's not maybe the greatest return there. So it's an interesting period for Kerry football. There was maybe an expectation that the All-Irelands would just naturally flow, but as we've seen with other famous underage teams, maybe that Limerick hurling three in a row at under-21 uh, under in, in the noughties, it doesn't always translate. You, you, like, it's, it's very difficult to actually make that breakthrough sometimes.
2: Yeah, and I suppose people thought it was a year, probably a year too early for Kerry in 2019, and you're looking at two years later, and... They've you know, been beaten in a Munster final and an All-Ireland semi-final haven't actually been back to, to the big day yet. And I suppose a lot of it, when you look at the past three years, is how their probably inability to deal with pressure when it was really put on. And that was, you know, they were a man up in that 2019 All-Ireland final, the first day out, looked like they had it in control. And uh, all of a sudden, I don't think they got a shot away for the last 12 minutes and they were dominated the second day. The Munster final last year, there were massive favourites going into that game, didn't deal with that, got a bit of a sucker punch at the end, and again, massive, massive favourites going in last Saturday again, and they were turned over, and could have been turned over in normal time, but were turned over eventually in extra time, so uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, uh, I would would agree with Cora in that, like, if anything, like, they're not getting any closer to an All-Ireland than they were in the first year, so I, I do think probably, it is probably time for change, like... Like who exactly comes in? I, I I wouldn't be sure exactly where to look. Keane would have been the obvious candidate, having been with the with the miners. Um, I don't know if there's any like really obvious outstanding candidate. Um, maybe maybe someone like Jack O'Connor would potentially come back for a third a third reign, but he's obviously committed to Kildare, so it's hard maybe to see that happen. So it's it's very it'd be very interesting what direction they go in. Um, I think Peter Keen probably maybe lost. Uh, lost some support when whatever happened with Donnie Buckley and Donnie Buckley subsequently ended up in Monaghan. I definitely think that played a part and potentially could have you know, undermined his reign a small bit. But it's going to be really interesting to see where they go from here. But I would be surprised if, if Keane was the man in charge next year. Who is going to be the, the person in charge? I, I, it's very, very hard to say, though.
1: Yeah, Dick, it's an interesting position where the kind of the obvious candidates are maybe guys who've done the job before and who left in circumstances that maybe weren't the most positive. I mean obviously left after twenty eighteen. He was getting a lot of abuse from K supporters. Jock O'Connor left after, you know, a couple of uh, you know years where they didn't win the All Ireland. So it's not as if there's an obvious candidate or a really exciting candidate for like even supporters to get behind.
0: No, and, and it is it is easy to just say yeah. Keen, too many mistakes on the line over the last couple of years. Stepped somebody in, like take a step back. They were very poor. It it wasn't the case. So like on the, on the, on Saturday, they didn't have to do an awful lot more playing badly to win that game. And they're still favourites. And I would I would fancy they would have beaten Mayo. So, they're not as far off as, as so, to put, but to strip out a management team, to go back to the drawing board, that can put you back quite away because the continuity that you have. So, it's, it, it, it might seem like the, the right thing to do. But as you said, like I always say, the analogy of, of going to a junior B game and your boy shouting from the stand at, at the corner forward, get him off. I says, yeah, we'll wait till you see what's on the bench to come in. You know, they're not that far away. If they actually just face up and, and own the mistakes that they've made and try to improve on that. You know, like the, the 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 players have to take a bit of ownership as well in terms of their level of application and, and simple things like like Daramain had been shown up, you know, I mentioned just getting knocked out at the first hit. Obviously, totally unprepared for what was what was what Pro Park is, and then and you know, contributed to to letting Colin Mayer. Like simple things like that's that's not really in Peter King's control, you know, and, and those things. Are still going to be there for a new manager coming in. So I, I think there's an element to like, unless there's a really good replacement coming in and there's a real appetite from the players and everybody there, you know. I think it could you could be going further back, you know, to try and go forward as well. Whereas actually they just need to improve another five, 10% and where they're at, but be really honest about, about, about how they lost that game and, and, and don't be blaming the five weeks. And, and there, was a, there was a bit of that which would annoy me. Peter Keane and that that they were making reference to it I says that if they had a problem with that it was three or four weeks ago the minute the game was agreed to be played that was it it was about the game on the day and park everything else but in terms of on the day there was, was questionable decisions made that you have to own and and, and try and improve on them. And which I think they can you know I think I think they can but to start afresh can lose a lot, a lot of momentum as well and they did have momentum they did have momentum going into that game Like they have had good form so you could you could you could you could you could undo a lot of good work at the same time by trying to start again.
1: Yeah, no, definitely be an interesting few weeks to see what Kerry decide to do. But from a, from a perspective going into the final, Cora, you know, Tyrone have a two week layoff. Mayo have a four week layoff. So it's kind of somewhat similar to what Kerry were facing into. Like, it, it, has this COVID situation ultimately worked? You know, in Tyrone's favor now that they they only have two weeks to wait. They'll be battle hardened. They've had a, a you know a tough journey through Ulster as well. Is do they have a slight advantage there? Do you think?
3: Yeah, it's it's very difficult to know. I think two weeks is, is quite a tight time. Um, that was in a very intense game, you know, extra time again. Um, and going back to the whole COVID situation, players that maybe um, had it, you know, the, the recovery period, you know, will probably need to be over the next few days. Then they have only, you know, the weekend relay um, to get ready for Mayo, where I think Mayo certainly needed the four weeks um, after their um, victory against Dublin because of the injuries they had, again, because of the frosty of the game. Um, and for a, a county like Mayo, you know, on the high of beating Dublin after that game, you know, probably took maybe a, a couple of days, if not a week, for that hype to go away. As I said earlier, it's it's probably, you know, it's very calm down here now, but it'll, it'll obviously build towards the Old Ireland. So... I do think two weeks for Tyrone, you know, they will have momentum going in, and and obviously Mayo have the longer layoff. I think two weeks is just on the cusp of of being very tight, um, depending on how their players are, you know, injury wise this morning. I know they hadn't any major injuries coming from Saturday evening, but, you know, just how people have pulled up after the game. They'll have to use the earlier part of this week for recovery. And obviously, then, you know, they have what what after that, maybe 10 days or or less, than to, to, you know, prepare and get ready for Mayo. So, yeah, it, it it can have, you know, it's pros and cons for both teams. I, I know certainly from a Mayo point of view, they, they certainly needed the four weeks. But yeah, Toronto have massive momentum. They've been through a very difficult um, campaign, obviously, in Ulster. But I suppose the five-week period that they had off, um, you know, through the um, Ulster final and the All-Ireland semi-final and the COVID period probably gave, the, you know, players that maybe didn't have have COVID the, the time to rest up as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle. Um as I said, it, it's it's gonna be a great final. And as I said, a novel pairing, you know, having come up against each other in all Ireland final. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be so interesting. I just can't wait for it.
1: Yeah, Michael, one thing I'd like to get your thoughts on just before we wrap up our football discussion is, you know, the whole COVID controversy, you know, Brian Dewar in his post-match press conference was quite pointed about it, talking to the media, saying, you know, there's some, some accusations that we tried to, you know, pull a bit of a stroke or pull a fast one. That's completely untrue. And he kind of, he kind of walked out, I, I think, from reading Dunica Boyle's piece in Today's Irish Independent and left Fergal Logan to finish it off. So it's obviously something they've been use, potentially using to build that kind of mentality in the squad, a siege mentality, which we know in the past served them very well. But how do you reflect on that whole episode? You know, because obviously Brian Dewar was still very keen to bring it up towards the end of that press conference.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's it's bound to be still brought up by by journalists and even by you know normal punters because they still don't think we have all the answers on the table for us. So I, you know, we don't have all the facts on the table, and we might never have the facts on the table. So it's always going to be it was always going to be a massive point of discussion after the game, and uh, it's not going to go away now. And if Tyrone win the All Ireland, it'll probably be called the Covid All Ireland. That's just that's that's the that's the way it is. Um. But, like, they definitely... Nobody does the siege mentality probably like Tyrone. I remember someone saying to me uh, once that you need to be balanced in life. You need to have a chip on both shoulders. And they definitely had a chip on both shoulders the other day. And they brought that... The siege mentality thing only only works to a point. You can't... It can't be, you know... There has to be more to you than just that. But it might get you over, uh, you know, a big day. And it might just give you that little extra kick that's needed on that day. Don't think that none of that will, you know play any part really in the final because it's you know a completely different game but um it's just it's just mad like it was the, almost a perfect storm for them if their guys were back to to full health and they certainly looked like they were back to full health the other day like if anything like there were Kerry bodies dropping left right and center uh all over the pitch there weren't her own bodies dropping like di Morgan was helping two or three different guys were cramped there it wasn't the opposite way around or anything like that but I think COVID is always going to be referenced um, with regards to, you know, that game and potentially the whole season if, the, if they do win it. That's just a, it, like it's unprecedented scenario that games, you know, a game was put back, you know, two weeks. And then the All-Ireland was put back a couple of weeks as well. So it's only natural that, that it's going to be talked about. But they definitely, it definitely does look like they used it uh, to fuel them for, to add a bit of extra momentum to their, to their effort. And uh, it definitely didn't do them any harm anyway.
1: I think i might give you the last word then. Do you want to come in on, on, on what they, they've been talking about there?
0: Yeah, I think from a a, a mental or a psych, psychological point of view, I think it's all in, in Mayo's favour now, whereas, you know, going into that uh, game at the weekend, it was very much in, in Thrones' favour. You said you already referenced the siege mentality and that sort of go for broke. Let's see what we can get out of ourselves. You know, there's a real freshness and, 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 and freedom to play like that when there's no expectation, whereas you flip that around, you know, look at the pressure that carry were under and how that impacted on them. That's now on Throne. You know, the, I'm, I'm actually up and thrown in our in bow in, in the Wigan country here at the minute. You know, even now, driving up through the county, there's hardly a flag up. They're slow getting out to support their team. I, I don't even know it was Croke Park at the, the half, the, the, the 25,000. There seemed to be a smaller crowd than there was at the mill. So they're only starting to get back and believe in this team. And now everyone's buzzing because they didn't believe that they were able to turn it around. Um, but now they have to deal with expectation. They have to deal with that pressure of hype that they hadn't any of. Um have had to deal with it, but... Neil had said James Horner walking out of Cope Park on, on, on Saturday, delighted but he wasn't having to play Kerry. There's no baggage with Throne. They were able to beat good Throne teams in the past and, and have no fear of them, never have. And uh, two weeks, Core mentioned it, like, whatever. But obviously, from a COVID point of view, there was no material impact physically on the guys that they put out. Like, there's no way you put in the shift that they did and have any. It's actually the opposite. They look fresh, they look rested. Whereas, Kerry were probably training away of trying to keep themselves busy with in-house games. Whereas the boys were <laughs> there's another discussion about strength and conditioning and team preparation when you can see how Tyrone were able to perform um, with the impact that they had. Um, now, at the same time, that'll take them a good while to recover from. You know, you, you know, they're really only gonna be recovering ice bats, swimming pools, you know, getting back out into the pitch. You know, that coupled with the psychological impact, it'll be a massive, massive challenge for throne to deliver that same level of
1: performance um, in two weeks' time. So I think it's it's the, the ball is a new score. And it's set up to be absolutely mouth ordering final matchup, but for the moment, Dick, Cora, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it was semi final weekend in the Camogie Championship, and we were left with a very exciting final matchup after Cork beat Kilkenny by 15 points to 111 and Galway saw off tip by 113 to 12 to set up a Cork Galway final. And we're delighted to have Ursula Jacob on with us this morning to discuss the two games. Ursula, how are you? Too bad, thanks. Um, Cork-Kilkenny has probably been the defining rivalry in the Camogie Championship over the last number of years. and We were treated to another thrilling game over the weekend. It kind of went back and forth. It looked like Cork were in the ascendancy, then Kilkenny got back on top, and then Cork, I think, hit the last three points to, to come out, the victors. You know, w- what stood out to you uh, uh, uh kind of how they wrestled back the initiative in the in the last couple of minutes?
4: Yeah, typical Cork-Kilkenny game where, you know, it ebbed and flowed. And I felt that Cork were you know, in full control in the first half in particular, you know, I think they dominated most of the sectors, but we were kind of looking for that little bit of a kick or spark in Kilkenny, and in fairness, we did get that in the third quarter, Um, you know, that Mary O'Connell goal kind of lifted Kilkenny's spirits, but All credit to Cork, they did respond so well to that, you know, Kilkenny even went ahead for the first time, I think it was the 51st minute, Um, and Cork didn't panic and, you know, sometimes when a team that has so many maybe inexperienced players, you know, included in the team, you're thinking maybe they'll falter or they'll you know lose the heads or whatever but in fairness they got some vital scores and obviously got that crucial winning score from Linda Collins, Collins and she made a big impact off the bench and you know they were probably unlucky not to get a goal uh, for that red card incident on Orla Cronin as well.
1: Yeah Michael I know you were there covering for the Irish Independent it's funny these Cork and Kenny games always seems to go down to the wire usually only a point in it what's stood out to you?
2: Yeah, it did. It did look like like Cork were the better team um, the whole way through the first half, particularly in that second quarter. Chloe Sigerson was firing over points from everywhere, and they were ten five up. And Arla Cronin actually missed the free in the forty third minute. It would have put them uh, What was it the second now? Yeah, in the forty third minute, it would have put them five up. And all of a sudden, then Denise uh, Denise Gall gets a free, and Mary O'Connell gets a goal, and Kilkenny are back level. And you're just thinking, Kilkenny hadn't haven't been playing. Uh, well, for a 60 minutes this year, they've been kind of playing in fits and starts, but you kind of thought that they were coming perfectly at the right time to go two points up and take f- k Power up over a point after a, a goal free in the 52nd minute. And you're thinking, this is only going one way. And then all of a sudden, Cork are able to wrestle back the momentum. And a lot of it was that, you know, they've been playing a, a real kind of high energy running game, a kind of a possession game where they were trying to play the ball around and there was always girls running off the shoulder. I think crucially they didn't abandon it when the pressure was really on them and they stuck to that and they got a couple, they got three great scores then to finish it off and Linda Collins been left off as captain as well was a big call for management to make and Polly Murray said after that the reason she was left off was that they, they felt they needed a kick off the bench they hadn't had a kick maybe last year when Kilkenny were the ones that edged them I think with two points last year and she definitely gave them that kick when it was needed but it was real, real dramatic stuff you know, like Cork, Cork had a, what looked like a clear goal chance there um, for Katrina Mackey's goal chance and then all of a sudden crucially the ball was recycled and it went over the bar but then Orla the Cronin was sent off and they were down to 14 and it was just a really, really dramatic last few minutes but like, you know midway through the last quarter it looked like, it looked like Kilkenny's game they were just starting to get into it and some of her big players are starting to get into it but I think Denise Gall picked up I don't know if it was a finger and she was getting attention to her, what looked like her knee and her finger and she was definitely uh, hindered in the last couple of minutes as well and in fairness to Cork yeah, they, just, they just stuck with what they were had been doing really really well at different stages of the game and they just saw it out but yeah there's always drama when these two meet and last night was definitely no different
1: Yeah, Nurse, it was funny just reading Potty Murray's comments after the game. He was very quick to paint them as massive underdogs, he said, going to the final. You know, he's saying that people are saying it's Galway's All-Ireland to lose. He was talking them up as, you know, a much deeper team in terms of talent on the bench as well than maybe Corker. Galway obviously beating Tipperary by four points. Like, are Galway as good as Potty Murray is saying or is he playing kind of a bit of mind games?
4: It wouldn't be a, an interview without party potentially playing some mind games. Look at Cork, our very confident team, wants to get to Crow Park and Crow Park suits this Cork team down to the ground because, as Michael just alluded to, the whole thing about Cork is their running game, their possession game. They're brilliant, you know, hurlers and very, very skillful, but they're also able to match that with athleticism. And they'll be going in very confident in, in, into that final because getting over Kilkenny yesterday was a big. Big win for them. They had lost the last two All Ireland semi finals by a point and two points to Galway and Kilkenny the last two years. And they were really, really, you know, huge disappointments for Cork because Cork don't consider it a successful year, like any Cork team, unless they win an All Ireland. And for them not to be in an All Ireland final since 2018 was a big thing for Paddy And it's probably one of the reasons why he probably stuck with this team because. He knew the potential. You know, Cork at underage level, you know, they've won the last three minor All-Irelands. They're in this year's minor all ireland They've got that kind of talent pool coming through. And in fairness, Potty has stuck with him. But Paddy is going to go into that final feeling massively confident. You know, Cork's record against Galway in All-Ireland finals in recent years has been really impressive. I was looking back this morning and the last time Galway beat Cork in All-Ireland was 1996. And Cork have beaten... Um, Galway four times since then, so Galway are going to have a, a huge battle on their hands, but they will be happy that they got over a kind of dogged performance from Tipperary. They didn't fire at all cylinders, but look, there's no point in playing your best game in the semi final and then having nothing to improve on for the final.
2: There must be a bit of Kerry blood in in Paddy Murray because there was no like he was that he was the only one in Crow Park that you know believes that Galway's name is written on it. Like, this is that's a 50 50 game going into the final and Galway haven't been lighting it up this year either. You know, so I think Cork come in with massive momentum. I think that's a big monkey off their back. As you're saying, like there's a lot of, you know, they have a lot of experience, you know, retired in, in recent years, uh, be it Breach Corkery or be it Rena Buckley, or, you know, there's plenty of, you know, Arla Cotter is no longer involved as well. There's lots of players that they have lost in recent years. So I think that's a huge monkey off their back. Whether Arla Cronin's going to be available not for the final is a huge one though, because, you know, she's a reliable free-taker. You'd probably say Chloe Sigerson could probably maybe step in and take the ones closer to goal. But whether she's going to be available for the final or not is going to be interesting. And it's the same in the other semi-final as well. There was a red card coming out of that. So that's going to play, you know, what goes on in the boardroom over the next couple of weeks is going to play a big part in deciding where the, where the title goes too.
1: Yeah, it seemed like there could have been a case of mistaken identity potentially with the Galway red card, which would be interesting to see if that's straightened out. But one interesting thing I thought, Ursula, on Galway was manager Colin Murray's comments after the game talking about the four-week gap that his side had versus Tipperary getting a run out You know, uh, in the quarterfinal. He was kind of giving out that, like, what, what's the incentive of winning your group if you're on ice then for such a long period of time and the other team gets a chance to maybe get a little more battle-hardened. Do you, do you agree with his point there?
4: Yeah, I, I think it is a strange one that there is a month-long break I I think a month is too long between you know competitive games obviously when you top your group you want to go the direct route and I think Galway uh, and Cork would have been most happy with that but Galway on the other hand you know I think Cahal Murray and his management team would be happy on the other hand that they've had the last month they've had they've really been dogged with injuries this year obviously Heather Cooney is gone with a cruciate injury from a, a league game earlier on the year. But Carrie Dolan, who was missing yesterday, I would feel that she probably will be back fit for the final. But the likes of Neve uh, Orla McGrath, uh, Teeny Cormacan, those three girls were all injured during the group stages of, of the championship this year. So I feel that probably Galway will be happy enough that they've had a month where the likes of those girls have a, been able to get a little bit of training under their belt and to recover from some of these injuries. Because if they had game after game after game they would have they wouldn't have had any chance of getting back whereas you saw yesterday the impact of Orla McGrath you know she got 1 2 she was threatening every time in that full forward line but she has been really struggling with a shoulder injury this year so she would have been a huge loss for Galway if she wasn't there
1: Hmm. And Michael, just on Tipperary, I think it's their fourth semi-final defeat in a row. Albeit, I think this was the first time they've been, you know, pretty competitive and maybe you've been in with a chance of, of winning it. But it's still not nice to go down at the penultimate hurdle four years in a row.
2: No, they've been knocking on the door, and like they're getting, they are getting better and better every year. Um, like Bill Maloney is obviously what he, what he's doing down there is is working. It's just the gap between the top three and the chasing pack. It's definitely getting uh, smaller. But, you know, those top three teams, just chatting to Brian Dowling after the game yesterday and kind of just said to him, you know, it's disappointing how maybe that you weren't able to kick on having been beaten in a couple of All-Ireland finals. And he said, you know, he acknowledged that. But he also said, like, it's literally a point, two points between Cork, Kilkenny, Galway on a given day. And they are a step ahead of the and Pack. Now, Tipperary have definitely closed that gap. Um, I think they were beaten by six in the All-Ireland semi-final last year, but probably always at arm's length. They were beaten by four. Uh, yesterday, probably with a soft goal, there was probably no more than a score in between in between them and Galway yesterday. So they're definitely closing the gap. It it is it is a bit demoralising, obviously when you're, you keep getting better in semi finals, but they are getting closer and closer every year. In fairness, is it's it's the same result, but the performances are getting better, and their graph is still going up and up. Mm.
1: And Ursa, then just looking ahead to the final, you know, who does have the edge at this point for you? You know, as we've said, Paddy Murray thinks it's Galway, but what, what do you think? Do you think Cork have a, have, have a strong chance of, of winning back the all Island title?
4: Yeah, I, I I wouldn't pay too much heed to Paddy saying that it's Galway's. You know, Galway, know it'll be a huge challenge. I would feel, if I was probably saying now at the moment, I think it's going to be a close game. I definitely agree with Michael. There'll probably be only very little between the two teams, a point or two, but I think Cork and Crow Park, I think they know how to win there and I think maybe their athleticism, some of the the mix between the youth and the experience, you know, you've the Ashling Thompsons and these kind of girls around the middle of the field and Hannah Looney and then Amy O'Connor are so effective in the forwards. I just think maybe they've the momentum going in. I think that win yesterday against Kilkenny was such a psychological boost to this Cork outfit, but... If Orla Cronin's not available, she will be a massive loss um, to the Cork attack and to the, to the overall team. But I'd still probably slightly uh, tip Cork for the for the final.
1: Well, the finals have been very tight affairs over the last number of years, so hopefully we get another exciting one uh, this year. For the moment, Ersa, thanks so much for joining us. That's all we have time for this week on the On Podcast in association with Gosh Energy. We'll be back next week with another show. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Cro Park. #HurlingToTheCore. Hurling to the Core.